Well, good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm one of the pastors uh, at uh, Calvary First Church of the Nazarene. It's, uh, it's been 18 weeks since we last met for an on-site worship service. And of course, today I'm not uh, recording this message from a church. Um, I'm actually recording from my home. I'm downstairs in our lower floor. And uh, so uh, that's how we're doing the broadcast uh, for this message this weekend. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic um, has been just such a sad event in our lives. It's killed uh, millions of people around the world. It's decimated global economies and it's changed our way of life and even just the way we, we think about relationships um, and possibly for good. Um, it's been, I think maybe with the exception of the influenza pandemic uh, that occurred in 1918, uh, I think it's pretty much unprecedented in terms of its global reach, uh, the impact it's had globally, and, and in terms of the long-term effects on the way that we live. And it's left us feeling kind of uh, unsteady, uh, uncertain about the future, and for some of us, maybe afraid of what the future holds. And, and, and as a pastor, uh, in the church, it's it's faced us, and it's faced a lot of businesses and charities and governments with some very, very difficult decisions. And we're having to make some major adjustments to the way that we do things. And it's kind of interesting, several weeks into the, uh, the pandemic, after things had shut down, I was trying to imagine what it was going to be like when we could start gathering together on site um, and just worship together the way we always do. And I had this I guess it was a bit of um, uh, idealistic thinking, uh, naive thinking on my part, but I thought, you know, there's going to be a Sunday, maybe, you know, during the summer or in early fall, and we're all going to get back together at one time, and there's going to be a large gathering of people, and we're going to be, you know, shaking hands, or maybe fist bumping possibly, um, but singing together, uh, enjoying the worship the music, um, and, you know, having fellowship together and eating together, well, that's not going to happen anytime soon. And, uh, uh, and I'm feeling kind of sad about that, to be honest with you. Um, I think many of us are, are feeling a sense of loss because we know what we had and we're not sure that what we've enjoyed, we're going to be able to get that back again. And, and so in life, we're all confronted from time to time with circumstances that are beyond our control, and it can leave us feeling uh, helpless. And so, at times like that, we need to pray. And I love the prayer of serenity. It's not in the Bible, but it is biblical. And the prayer of serenity goes like this. God, help me to accept the things I cannot change. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Give me the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And so during this pandemic, I think what we need to do is put that prayer into practice. Let's accept the new reality that we're facing. The things that we can't control, let's accept that. Um, but let's also have the courage to change what we can, and let's ask God for the wisdom to know the difference between the two. At the end of the day, we have to remind ourselves, God is still in control of human history. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing that we can do. Yes, there's things that we can change, and God wants to uh, have us partner with Him in bringing change where we can. So we have to avoid two mistakes. One is to do nothing at all and to feel completely helpless and paralyzed. We don't want to do that. 
We don't want to go there. The other mistake is to try to seize control in our own human strength and wisdom. Some of you watching and listening today are facing some really difficult decisions in your life, and maybe in your family life. Uh, you're not sure uh, what's going to happen in the next few months. Maybe you're not sure about your survival um, economically um, and how you're going to manage your budget going forward and about your career, uh, because things are not going to be normal, uh, at least not we consider as normal. And so in times of crisis like this and uncertainty, it's easy to just panic and to just try to figure things out on our own. So we need to ask ourselves, how are we going to respond? Um, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, if you're watching this, it, I think it means you're open to God uh, and to His influence in your life. So how do we respond in a time of crisis? Because how we respond reveals who we are. The way that we respond uh, is a test of our faith. Who are we going to turn to in our time of trouble? I love Psalm 103. It says this, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so in this time of crisis, I want to ask you, are you turning to God for help and for wisdom? And my prayer for my life as I watch this is that the Lord would grant me the grace to entrust myself into his hands and not allow myself to become ensnared um, in trying to outmaneuver uh, adversaries uh, or into other nasty behaviors or to even try to just figure out things like this pandemic on my own. Um, the Lord has been teaching me uh, that he is in control and that he will take control of my life and of my ministry and of our church if I will surrender to his sovereignty. I don't need to figure things out on my own. I don't have to resort to scheming, to deception, to bullying, to intimidation because God is my defender. God is my protector. He's my refuge. He is my strength. And so even if I lose, even if I don't get what I want or get my way and uh, I lose, that's okay. Because the one thing I don't want to lose is my integrity. The same God who vindicated his son, Jesus, by raising him from death can also bring life out of death in our church and in our country in this world. Uh, he can snatch victory from the jaws of defeat if we will trust in him. And so for me, my strength is in God alone. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says this, The eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God's looking for committed people that he can strengthen and encourage. And if you don't remember anything else from this sermon today, I hope you'll remember this, that God comes to the aid of those who find their strength in him. Will you do that today? So times of crisis are a test of our character. Times of crisis are a test of our faith. And 
it reveals who we're putting our trust in, whether it's ourselves or whether it's the government or whether it's really in God himself. And so here's my question. During this time and whatever you're facing in your life, how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to the problems that are confronting you right now in, in your career, in your family? Um, and who are you going to turn to? Will you turn to God, the creator of the heavens and the earth? Because the way that you respond to this present crisis in your life reveals who you are and who it is that you're trusting in. In the study of Christian ethics, the question, if, and if you were to study Christian ethics, we often think that ethics is about, you know, what helping us to know what decision to make. And that's not what Christian ethics is about. You know, helping us to know what decision to make. Christian ethics, the question is not what decision should I make, but what kind of person am I becoming? You see, we are the sum total of the choices we make in life, whether they're foolish or wise, because those choices that we make do shape our character and shape the person that we become. Now, the Bible gives us real-life examples of people who consistently made bad choices and people who consistently made good choices. So today we're going to examine an incident in the life of a man who many of you know, who made mostly good choices, and his name is David. Uh, a short history of David is David um, was a man with a heart after God, a man after God's own heart. Uh, he wasn't passive in times of crisis. Uh, he was willing to act when God wanted him to act. But he would only act when he knew that God had spoken to him and that when God was going to be with him. Most often, David did not act impulsively. He didn't panic. He didn't take matters into his own hands. And there is this incident where King Saul became an enemy of David and was jealous of David. Um, and so Saul began to pursue David, and David had to flee for his life with 600 fighting men who were loyal to him. And David is, flees to the desert, and he's hiding away in caves. But we learn about David that he kind of turns the other cheek, and he leaves his fate in the hands of God. And so then we come to a story in 1 Samuel. There's 31 chapters in 1 Samuel in the Old Testament. But in chapter 30, right near the end, we find that uh, David uh, had almost formed an alliance with a former enemy, the Philistines. And uh, they had a common enemy, the Philistines and David. And that was King Saul of Israel, who was persecuting David. He was pursuing him. And so David thought, well, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so he thought, I'm going to see if we can fight alongside the Philistines against Saul. Um, and, but the Philistine commanders didn't trust David, because they thought that David and his 600 fighting men might, in the midst of battle, uh, join forces with Saul and Israel against them. And so they said, no, we want you to go back home. And their headquarters, their hometown, was Ziklag. And uh, that's where they had left their, their possessions and their belongings and their families. And so David and his men go back to Ziklag, but they had left it unprotected and defenseless. And uh, as they arrive to Ziklag, to their horror, they find that there's nobody there. The uh, town of Ziklag had been uh, plundered 
burned to the ground, and all of their wives, their children, their possessions, their sheep, their cattle had been taken by the Amalekites. And there was a long time rivalry between the people of Israel and the Amalekites. And the Amalekites were kind of like bullies uh, to the people of Israel, and they just had a lot of bad blood between them. And so it would go without saying, I think, that this was a real tactical failure on the part of David, that he had left people and possessions unprotected in Ziklag. And it was a crushing defeat for David. And it tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says this, David was greatly distressed because the men, his men, were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. And so the question is, how would David respond to this crisis? Now, as some of us know, David was a man after God's own heart. The Lord chose David to be the future king of Israel because he saw in David the kind of man that he could trust to lead his people. And throughout David's life, he modeled a number of attributes that great leaders have. So what did David do when his men had lost confidence in his leadership and they were about to kill him? This is what it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. David found strength in the Lord his God. David relinquished control to the Lord by putting his life in God's hands. In, in this instance, we see David's faith in action. And I love what he wrote in Psalm chapter 18. David wrote many of his psalms um, when uh, he was in a time of crisis or when he had overcome a time of crisis. And he wrote this song after he had defeated many of his enemies. And this is what he says in Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my rock, my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. And so David was a man of faith. But David had another indispensable quality of godly leadership. And it's found in verse 8. It says, David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? And God said to him, Pursue them. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Here we see David's humility in action. I'm sure that every instinct in David's body and soul yearned for revenge against these Amalekites. I mean, they were already enemies and he, he, he might have just burned with anger and hatred towards them and might have uh, wanted to act rashly and uh, go for blood. But he didn't do that. What he did is he asked the priest, Abiathar, for the ephod. And the ephod was just kind of a ribbon the priest would wear when they wanted to inquire of the Lord. And so he said, Abiathar, bring the ephod. Let's ask God. And that's what he did. And this is one of the qualities of great spiritual leadership. Anyone who hopes to lead God's people must be a woman or a man who's willing to, before acting, before making a decision and acting, to be still and to wait for the Lord. To be still before God and, and, and listen to what God wants to say about the situation. And so that's what David did. He sought the Lord's guidance and didn't just look to himself. And David did this not just on this occasion, 
He did it consistently over time. This was his pattern of behavior. And so the Lord said, yes, you will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. And let's just contrast that with King Saul because God had uh, rejected Saul as King Saul had a track record of doing the opposite. He would often ignore God's guidance and he would just do what he thought was best. And so God rejected Saul as king. And it tells us in the Bible that the spirit of the Lord had left Saul. And those are some of the saddest words in the Bible. And the Lord stopped speaking to him. And so what's interesting is Saul became spiritually tone deaf. He, he couldn't hear the voice of God anymore. And, and, and he didn't repent. And so he would ask the Lord for guidance, but God had stopped speaking because Saul would not realize the error of his ways and he wouldn't confess and he wouldn't repent. And instead of repenting and realizing that he needed to change his life and humble himself before God, instead, what does he do? He goes to a psychic. This king of Israel goes to a psychic. And so the story of Saul is a warning to us that we need to deal with our dark side. Uh, don't, don't go the way of Saul. We need to reflect on our flaws and confess them and humble ourselves before God like David did and repent. You see, crisis brought the worst out in Saul. But David was an example of faith in God and humility before God. And crisis brought out the best in David. You see, the Lord works through people that he can count on um, to obey him when he speaks to them. And this is what it says about David in Acts 13, verse 22. It says this, After removing Saul, God made David their king, and God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, because he will do what I want him to do. That's the kind of person that God works through. So David was a man of uh, deep faith in God and a man of humility. But he also manifested two other attributes of godly leadership that I'm going to talk about in part two of this message next Sunday. And so David's example has impacted the way I live my life and the way I lead God's church. Uh, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is Psalm 78, verse 72. And it says this. I love this one. It's a life verse for me. And David shepherded them, meaning God's people. David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. I want that to be my testimony. That, that means that I don't have to uh, take matters into my own hands. I don't have to strike back or retaliate against people who might misjudge me or impugn my motives or accuse me falsely or persecute me. I can leave it in God's hands and have peace about it. So why is David's example so important for us today? And what can we learn from David in how he handled things in a time of crisis? Well, here's what we learn. David was a man of character, and his character was forged through years of hardship, trial, and suffering. And so the decisions that he made and the actions he took were testimony to his character. David had learned over a lifetime of challenges, how to trust God in times of crisis. And he knew from his own personal experience that God was faithful. He showed this when he defeated the great uh, champion of the Philistines, Goliath. 
And uh, he is just as a young shepherd boy uh, who refused to wear uh, the King Saul's armor. He just went out there with basically what we would think of as a slingshot. And he slew this great giant of a man. And he said, you come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. He said, today the Lord will conquer you, Goliath. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Here we see David's faith in action. And, and after he slew Goliath, David's uh, uh, fame grows, um, and he really becomes the hero of the people of Israel. And King Saul becomes jealous of David, and he feels threatened by him, and so he begins to pursue David, persecute him, and David and his 600 fighting men who are loyal to him have to flee to the desert, and they're hiding away in caves, and um, on two different occasions, uh, David had an opportunity to kill his adversary, uh, King Saul, and he refused to do it. He did not want to touch and he referred to King Saul as the Lord's anointed. He said, I will not touch him with my own hands. Basically, he said, my fate is in the hands of God. And here we see David's humility in action. And so David's true character was revealed in these times of crisis. And we see that he had learned to wait on God, to be patient and wait on God's timing. And so now by the time that David is confronted with this current crisis, you know, with the Amalekites coming and, uh, you know, plundering Ziklag and taking their family and possessions, David had already developed his spiritual instincts. Um, he had learned in times of crisis, over a lifetime, he had learned to turn to God before acting. David found strength in the Lord his God, and that's what he wants us to do, is to follow David's example. David had that instinct that before he would do anything, first he would pray. And so I want to ask you, who will you turn to for help in the time of crisis that we're facing right now? Who do you put your confidence in, your strength in? Will you turn to yourself? Are you going to turn to the government? Or are you going to first turn to God? So I want to challenge you with this for this week. This is the homework. Number one, step number one, identify a situation, a problem you're facing, um, a challenge, a crisis. Identify a situation, a circumstance that you're in, and humble yourself before God in prayer. Talk to God about it. Would you do that? And step number two, would you pray Psalm 18 verse 2, the psalm I referred to? And Open your Bible and, and maybe memorize the psalm. Pray Psalm 18, verse 2. And pray it several times. Pray it daily until you know that the Lord has answered your prayer. Identify a situation and humble yourself before God. Tell him about it. Number two, pray Psalm 18, verse 2 every day. And then step number three, inquire of the Lord, just as David did. Don't act or make any rash decisions until you've heard what God has to say about it. And then you, like David, will learn by your own experience that God is faithful and he works on behalf of those who trust him and refuse then to take matters into your own hands. Just wait on the Lord and then you will become the person 
that God destines you to be. And so put this prayer of serenity into practice. Um, remember that it's not only the decisions that you make in life that are important. It's the lessons you learn along the way and the person you become at the end of the day. How you respond to the problems today, the ones that are confronting you right now, will determine who you become in the future. David found strength in the Lord his God. Would you do that? Turn to God before you turn to yourself. And so I want to invite you to pray with me. And then I want to ask you to find your strength in God. Father, I want to pray for those that are watching and listening to this. And I ask, Father, that you would extend grace towards them the way you did to David so that they would learn to listen to you first before acting. As you're sitting here and listening to this message, would you bow your head in prayer right now? And would you identify a situation, a circumstance, a, a problem, a challenge, or a trial that you're facing? Would you say it out loud to God? Will you humble yourself before him and tell him about it? Just pour your heart out to him and tell him about what it is you're facing. And then I want you to pray Psalm 18, verse 2. Make that your affirmation of faith. Um, and just say, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. Say it out loud. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. Maybe you should memorize that, but just say that to the Lord in faith, and then you'll begin to find your strength in God. And then step number three, inquire of the Lord. Ask God, Lord, what should I do now? Guide me. Give me wisdom so that I will know what to do next about this problem that's confronting me. And God will help you. Father, I just pray for grace on behalf of those that are watching this uh, today and listening to this. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to nurture the same kind of faith and the same kind of humility that David had before you. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.